Welcome to Speak. Now, look, this is about to be the best Speak show in the history of our show. It's going to be a great day. I'm Emmanuel Lacho. That is Dave Hellman. He knows all things about all things. This is a brilliant Joy Taylor and Eagles all-time rushing leader, LaShawn Shady McCoy. Now, it's going to be a great show because we have Eagles general manager Howie Roseman joining us. Plus, we have Chiefs head coach Andy Reid joining us. But first, what about what LeBron James did yesterday? What about what LeBron James did yesterday? Now, we all saw the magnificence of the moment, but let me really take you all to the moment. LeBron James breaking the NBA all-time scoring record. But how did it happen? We have to travel back in time, shall we? It was April 5th, 1984, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he broke the record. 38,000 points and some change. Well, cut to 38 weeks later, a young man by the name of... LeBron James was born December 30th, 1984. Okay, so let me get this straight. 38,000 points. Kareem has a record. 38 years later, LeBron James is born. 38 weeks later, LeBron James is born. Well, 38 years later, LeBron James himself goes out there and sets the record. But how in the world did he do it? 38,388 points. Do realize it was the 38th day of the year, and he scored 38 points in the game. So what we all saw in magnificent fashion, there was a long period for us to witness history. And that 38 number will forever be etched in history. I got to come to the desk because, Joy, you had a lot of incredible thoughts on this incredible, incredible moment. LeBron James breaks the NBA all-time scoring record. What is the significance of the moment? A 38 is wild, isn't it? Wild. Eerie. You can get into a little bit of numbers there. That's great. (laughs) Play, Play that in the lottery or whatever you need to do. He's the greatest superstar I think that the game has seen. Now, I'm a Jordan zealot. I'm probably always going to feel that Jordan is the greatest player ever. That's, that's how I grew up. I believe that. I watch that. But I've also watched LeBron's entire career. And I think because we have watched so much of LeBron, I appreciate what he is and what he brings to the game. We live in a very divided world, very divisive space. For him to be in the spotlight from the time that he was such a young human to now and be able to manage everything, to be the face of the league for as long as he has with the expectations he came into the league. I mean, if someone calls you the chosen one, you better deliver. Like that is godlike. (laughs) And he's always delivered. He's always there. He's so consistent. And I think breaking this record – is a reflection of one of the most powerful parts of LeBron's legacy, which was his availability. Mm. We talk about this a lot with Tom Brady. The the ability to be there for your team, to be healthy, to play in all of these games has allowed him to break this record in the speed in which he broke it as well. And that's not an accident, right? Like, obviously, sometimes injuries, there's a little bit of luck involved. But luck favors the prepared. And LeBron is prepared. Mm -hmm. He takes care of his body. He spends millions on his body. And that paid off. So he's truly a reflection, obviously, of, you know, God-given talent. But not not just not wasting that talent, taking that talent to the highest level and reinvesting in himself. And it's just been incredible to watch. Availability, durability, reliability, all of those are abilities. Shady, I was doing some rough calculations yesterday, and I realized you would have to score 30 points a game in all 82 games for 15 years in order to break that record. It's, just, it's truly mind-blowing what LeBron James man. did. 30 a game, playing all 82 games for 15 years. Just to put that in context, viewer at home, of like, hey, what does it actually take? 2-5, let me come to you. What is the significance of LeBron James breaking that record? Oh, man, watching that game, I just thought of, like, LeBron James is the, the, the greatest all-around player we've ever seen. Number one in scoring from last night. He's fourth in assists. Ninth and three ball, three three pointers made. Mm-hmm. Fifth in points per game. Like he can play everywhere on the floor, from the one to the five. And give him his credit for that. But also, I gotta say this. And from an athlete who I was once a young kid and and highly recruited, right? I wasn't LeBron James, but highly recruited. And I wanted to play football. I wanted to be one of the best players that ever played a game. When I watched LeBron James, was watching the game yesterday, it reminded me of he's the best ideal role model we've ever seen mm-hmm. in all sports. Like. Think about it. The, the, the kid grows up, right, all this hype from high school. You see his high school games on televised. He balls out. Yep. Doesn't go to college. Goes to the NBA. He didn't have to, like, no, no, no grooming stages. He was a dog. My favorite player is Kobe Bryant. My favorite player right now is Steph Curry, but when playing was Kobe Bryant. Yep. 
Kobe had, you know, some up and down years, and then he became who he was from high school. All the high school players from, from Kevin uh, KG, yep. Kevin Garnett, you had um, uh, Tracy McGrady. Like, these players were really great, but it took some time. But Brown stepped right in and was super great. And then, like, off the court, not all players, but most players, they have some type of incident. You know, where nowadays people are always trying to get you, you mm-hmm. know, especially with the social media, and et cetera, mm-hmm. phones is out. And he's managed to make no distractions off the court. Been a great role model. Look at his family. You see his kids there. Yeah. You see his, his, his wife there, yeah. his daughter. And I look at that as an athlete, like, wow, that's the ideal picture you want. You're married, right? There's no, there's no things outside of basketball you hear about. He's not in trouble with the law. And I was looking at LeBron James' career, man, and, and last night it really sealed it for me. He's the greatest role model we've ever seen. That's powerful. I think you and, and, and Joy have really summarized it perfectly. You can't state enough, and Joy, you and I have had these conversations off, off camera, like, LeBron James, I don't even recall him getting, like, a speeding ticket. <laughs> like, like, y'all really put in right, context, right, like, yeah. your favorite superstars maybe have gotten a speeding ticket. Maybe have run on cars in Beverly Hills late at night. Maybe have run from the cops back when they were in high school. Maybe have been tackled out. Maybe got a public intoxication after winning a national championship. Like, your favorite superstar might have a blemish. Might have one. LeBron James has sent kids to college for free. LeBron James I forgot about that part, yeah. I promise school. And just in the midst of sending kids to college and building schools and all those things, he managed to have the most points in the history of the NBA. We truly do take LeBron James for granted because when you think about your favorite superstar, they probably do have some sort of distraction and or blemish off the court. But LeBron truly does not have any major run-ins with the law, and that means something in this day and age. Dave Hellman. I talked about this yesterday, but... You really, we do take him for granted, and you can't, you can't understate what the expectation was and how insane it is that he lived up to it to this degree. Like, there's a clip going around right now. Before he'd ever played a minute of NBA basketball, Bob Costas asked LeBron, you know, how do you feel about the fact that if you're anything less than a Hall of Famer, people will view you as a disappointment? Like, I'm not making this up. That's what people said about this guy. Before he'd ever played in the NBA and everything you just said, like he's been a model person away from basketball, like his contributions to the community are like they would be amazing without the career. And then, oh, by the way, there's only like one, maybe two people that you could even argue have had a better career than LeBron James. And and this is going to sound silly. I was thinking about it today. I think with this record, he's even achieved a level of immortality that a guy with his resume he didn't have it and that sounds crazy because of the championships and the mvps and everything else but banners get dusty trophies get dusty it sounds silly to say but like even the the 4k hd cameras that we do everything in right now like eventually that'll look dated like what is the central component in my opinion of the lebron mj debate is people will say oh well if you think lebron's better you didn't watch michael jordan right like how often have you heard that like we will eventually live in a world where people don't remember LeBron. But they'll remember this because this is going to be there for a long damn time. Kareem had it for 40 years. LeBron's not done playing, by the way. The number's going to go up. It might not. I I hesitate. All records can be broken, so I hesitate to say it'll never happen. It's not going to happen in our lifetimes. So think about that. Like every kid from now on, regardless of how long it's been since LeBron played, regardless of what you know about him, it's like, oh, well, can he catch LeBron? Can he catch 40, whatever the eventual number is? Like, this is going to live in perpetuity. It's, it's one of those generational, like I said, I don't want to say untouchable, but it's going to be with us for a long time, well after people remember his career. And, I mean, again, for an 18-year-old kid who had all of the expectations in the world placed on him while he was still in high school, it, I don't think you can say enough about it. Joy, you know, maybe my favorite part about LeBron and my favorite part about assessing anybody's character is not what they do for themselves, 2-5. It's not what they do for themselves, Joy. It's what do you do for other people? Yeah. That's truly, to me, how you can determine greatness. LeBron James' agent, Rich Paul, met LeBron James in an airport. Rich Paul was 21 years old. LeBron James was still in high school at the time. If I'm not mistaken, Rich Paul was selling jerseys. He's LeBron James' agent, y'all. Mav Carter first met LeBron James when LeBron James was five years old. They were high school teammates. LeBron James, business 
manager. Think about what LeBron James has done, not just for his agent, not what LeBron James has done for his business manager, not just what LeBron James has done for kids in Akron, Ohio, not just what LeBron James has done for his former teammates that are now littered across television networks. Think about what LeBron James is continuing to do for each and every individual he comes in contact with, kind of like Midas. Anything they touch, he just turns to gold. And so LeBron James' individual accomplishment is, is absolutely great. But when I take a step back and you think about legacy, it's all about what seeds did LeBron James plant across the different parts of the sports world and his face, his hand, his imprint is all over him, Joy. I also think about just the fact that he's been the face of the league for as long as he has. Mm. And we've had conversations over the years. I mean, I've had them throughout my career on different shows about who's going to be the next face of the league. Like, it's no need. No need. It's still LeBron. Yeah. There will be stars that come along, and there's obviously a, a ton of great young talent in the league. But there's a difference always between the face of the league, the Michaels, the Kobe's, the LeBrons, and everyone else. And it's it's not a it's not a diss to their their talent, but you have to possess a certain level of of leadership and persona to be able to command that, to be able to walk into a room of all of your peers and say, this is what I think we're going to do. This is the direction we're going to go as a league. Keep in mind, people were very, very mad at LeBron for a while during his career because he ushered in a real era of player mobility that we now discuss and very openly support. People did not always feel that way. Trust me, I was in Miami. It was not... It was a great place for us. We loved it. Don't worry. The villain, fun in the, Miami. The villain <laughs> thing fit perfectly for Miami, but everyone else around the league was not happy. I mean, he was really dragged for his decision to go to Miami. Now Kyrie leaves, and we're like, we love it. Like, what is to get him out of there? Where's he going to go? Is he going to go to the Mavs? Is he going to go somewhere else? Like, it's normalized now because LeBron took that step. So him being the face of the league for as long as he has as well, and really shifting not only narratives but player mobility the ability to be your own brand at a high level while you're still playing. I mean, having his, having his productions, doing Space Jam, all that stuff. In years past, that would have been frowned upon. You would have been said that you're too distracted, you don't focus on winning, but he continues to play at such a high level. He's able to be this massive mogul and the face of the league and still play at the level that he's playing. But speak not only, Joy, to taking that step, because clearly you were in Miami when LeBron made the decision, but look, the trailblazer usually takes the backlash. Just kind of how it works. Like the trailblazer, even if you think about a sport like um, track and field, there's usually the person who runs in front who isn't entirely a part of the race, but he's just going to or she is just going to break the win so that everybody that runs behind him doesn't have to be the one to get hit. And LeBron James blazing that trail took so much backlash, obviously for how he made the decision along with other things, but we don't see that same kind of outpour of disgust and disgruntled uh, emotions like we saw with LeBron James. Shade, you know what's most fascinating to me? And I'm interested in your thoughts on this. I had this dialogue one time. Somebody talked about everybody at one point in their life tries to run. Try to run, right? Everybody at one point in life, middle school, high school, you try to run. So when Usain Bolt is the fastest man in the world, that's a heck of an accomplishment. Because we've all, at one point in time, tried to run. Everybody ain't tried to play football. You know what I mean? Like some people just don't, can't, don't got the pads aren't big enough, whatever the case may be. Everybody hasn't tried to play lacrosse. Everybody hasn't tried to play tennis, hasn't tried to play golf. But most everybody, along with soccer, has tried to play basketball. At every point in time, most everybody has picked up a basketball. So of all the people that picked up a ball at some point in their life, LeBron James picked it up and became better than everybody else in the world who has picked up a ball at scoring points. Like, that to me is so astonishing that that to me is truly what, what, what made my mind stop in all of it. Dave, you mentioned Bob Costas. Take the viewer through some of the narratives around LeBron James when he was entering the league. I'm, I, I talked about it last night. Like, LeBron, this, I mean, he's, he's a 16-year-old kid, right? And, again, we take some of this stuff for granted. Like, it's normal to turn on the TV and watch high school sports now, football, basketball. Like if you're, if a school or a player is good, he's going to be on TV. Everybody's on TV. That wasn't the case. Yeah. This was unprecedented. You know, people are speculating about like, you know, LeBron's got a Hummer. Where'd he get that thing from? Like <laughs> they're playing on TV again. Like, can, like, and I remember even I, I must've been, I was probably 13 years old. I'm well into my 30s now. Like, I got back pain. That's how long. <laughs> and a 401k. That's how long LeBron's <laughs> been doing this. I, I have a career, and he's still going. And it seemed impossible. You know, chosen one, 
cover of every magazine. Again, like literally to his face, he was asked, how do you feel about the fact that you will be seen as a disappointment if you're not a Hall of Famer? Yep. And and it all fell short, by the way. You, I mean, he didn't. He's not going to win as many championships as Michael Jordan. Fine, but if I could go back and tell me or anyone that this would be the upshot, it would blow your mind. Like he has, he took it and ran with it to a degree that I can't even believe. I mean, like um, he's got a media empire. He's got all of these wonderful acts in the community. He's got three kids and a loving family. Oh, and by the way, he's the best basketball player ever. Like, just oh, I can't. I'm still struggling to. I I will always struggle to wrap my head around how incredible that story. Well, from excellence to excellence. Coming up next, the Eagles are in the Super Bowl, but who designed and orchestrated that team? That man, that little genius there, Howie Roseman, (laughs) former friend of Shady and myself. I guess current friend too, depends on how you look at it. He joins the show. A long-awaited visit. That's Eagles GM Howie Roseman up next. You know Howie very well. He drafted you. You know Howie very well. He traded for you. I know Howie very well. He cut me. So we all know <laughs> Howie. We just talked to Howie the other day. just talked to Howie. Howie Roseman has been on a mission. Howie made amazing moves. Fans are yelling at him. He said, hey, I'm the one that got you on effing championship. That's right. You remember that? That is true. Howie with the horns. <laughs> Howie with the horns. Clip his off and send it to Howie. Howie, Howie. You remember like that? Welcome back. There he is, ladies and gentlemen, Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman. Howie, what's up, man? What's up, guys? I don't do this very often, but what am I going to say? No to you, to you two? Yeah, you didn't really have a choice. I'm not going to Shady, do you have a choice? No, he didn't have a choice. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this every day. Why you ain't come on the show? Why you ain't come on the show? Hey, Howie, let's get to the first and foremost thing. Like, how is it being at another Super Bowl? Take us through the sights and sounds, et cetera. Yeah, I think we're kind of in the moment. You know, obviously we got a big challenge ahead. Um, you know, uh, Shady knows how I feel about Coach Reed and, and what he's done for all of us and what a great coach he is. And obviously they got a, a Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame quarterback. So I think we're just um, we're kind of in the moment. We understand the challenge ahead of us. And um, at the same time, we know we got to have our best week of preparation to play our best game against a great team. So okay, that's, that's where we're at. That, that's cute and all, Howie, but I got to give you your flowers. I got to. We do on the show all the time. You literally are the most celebrated general manager across all of sports on this here show, which is probably why you're on this here show. Um, (laughs) You constructed a heck of a football team. Like you constructed a phenomenal football team. Why so aggressive and how did you do it? Yeah, it's kind of how I roll. You know, I, I think that um, the biggest regrets I, I've had have been when we don't do things, um, we don't take chances, and we don't go in a direction. And um, obviously, we got to do it. Would that make sense? You know, we're not just trying to do things um, for the sake of making moves. But uh, I think when we, we played last year in the playoffs and saw where those teams were that were competing for a championship and where we were, um, we knew we had a lot of work to do. And luckily for us, we, we had a bunch of picks. Um, we had the ability to add some players um, because we had a quarterback on a rookie deal. And um, we went out and, and had some opportunities. And, and obviously, it's about it's a player's league. You know, um, we're fortunate to have a great group of guys who, who are really committed to each other and uh, have had an unbelievable year. And uh, that put us in the opportunity we have now. And, and now, obviously, we got a big challenge ahead of us on Sunday. Hey, how is Shady here? A hey, quick Shady, question. He knew hey, you. I mean, he for, knows your for, voice. The, for the people. You leave the for Eagles the, in rushing. For the people. For the people. You don't have to introduce yourself. He does this all the time with me. God dang. Anyway, hey, Howie, when, when, when you guys drafted Jalen Hurts, Philadelphia fans weren't too happy about that. I remember getting calls from different people. What did you see in Jalen Hurts to, to make you go out there and get him in the second round? Yeah, I think for us, you know, I don't know that any team in the National Football League has benefited more from having depth at the quarterback position than the Eagles since I've been there, you know, and you guys know that you guys are part of teams that made playoff runs with backup quarterbacks. And so um, I think for us, when we watched Jalen and we we saw him as a true freshman win SEC player of the year, compete for a national championship as a true freshman, we saw him have adversity, overcome it go to Oklahoma, be a Heisman Trophy finalist. And and it's hard to find quarterbacks who every year of their career you felt like were getting better. And so he got better freshman year. And then obviously to his senior year. And then from his senior year to the combine, he was throwing better. 
And I think the guy just has something inside of him, something unique inside of him as a leader, as a worker. And you combine that with physical tools and you have a shot. And from our perspective, um, we talk about, you know, not wanting to have regrets. Um, Obviously, we had a situation prior where we liked a quarterback. We got cute. We missed out. And then we're in a situation that we had to kind of keep trying to find another one. And and I think um, anytime you see a player that you really like, especially – at the quarterback position, like you go get them. And, and it wasn't comfortable for a long time. I mean, you guys know Philly. Um, <laughs> they let you hear it. They let you hear it. And um, I, I got it. You know, I understood the perspective. I also felt like, you know, you always got to do what you think is best for your team, even if it's, you know, in the moment, not the most popular thing. And, and I remember that first training camp, a couple of our vet receivers, and you could probably figure out who they were on, on that team, came up to me and they go, man, we thought you were crazy. But we kind of see it, you know, and uh, it didn't take long to be around Jalen to see that he had the ability. He had the ability to be really good and he had the work ethic and leadership to whatever level that he could get to. And I don't know that we've still seen it, you know, even coming off an MVP season. You know he's going to reach it because he's going to do whatever it takes to do whatever it takes to do it. Yep, that's that's incredibly well said. Howie, all right, let's talk about the season. Week one, you're down 7-0 to zero to the Detroit Lions. The offense, they go uh, nine and out. They get no points. You have to win that game. Jalen Hurts marches down the field. He has 82 of the team's 85 yards that drive. Then against the Dallas Cowboys, I believe it was week six, the Cowboys had scored 14 unanswered. Jalen Hurts with four minutes left. You have to have it. He goes down the field, a 75-yard touchdown drive. Then against the Colts, y'all just coming off your first loss. The season might unravel. A.J. Brown fumbles. The Colts are up by six. <laughs> Hertz goes down the field. He leads the team. Eagles win 17-16. to 16. What was the moment you knew Jalen Hurts was the franchise quarterback of the future? What was the moment you knew that's the man I'm going to pay? Well, I'm glad I didn't listen to you the week that we lost to Washington and you're talking about the season unraveling because I think we're 8-1, and, and I certainly wasn't feeling that right there. But, um, you know, I, I think in terms of when we knew the team had a chance to be really good, was that moment right there. We had lost to Washington. We turned the ball over four times. Dallas Goddard went down with an injury. He's a, he's a phenomenal player. Um, and we went to Indy, and, you know, we Jalen led a drive to give us a lead 17-16. I think there was, there was at the two-minute warning, it was probably right coming out of the two-minute warning. And so, you know, it wasn't an overwhelming game for us. And we came back and we were playing Green Bay uh, on a Monday night with Aaron Rodgers mm. and um, – we played phenomenal that week. Then Tennessee came in, physical run game, obviously physical football team. Coach Rabel does a great job with those guys. Um, you know, played phenomenal in that game. Went to New York, played phenomenal that game. And so, like, that little stretch right there where we kind of hit that lull at that part of the season and then just how we responded to that, I thought, showed uh, so much about this team. In terms of Jalen, I mean, you know, they, the guy played unbelievable from the day that we hit the practice field, you know, during mini camps. And uh, you saw that all the stuff that we talked about or our coaches talked about with him about taking to the next level, accuracy, anticipation, it all was taken to that next level. And, you know, I, I think a lot of times – uh, we got to look at ourselves as guys who help run teams about what are we doing to give that guy the best opportunity. And so if you don't if you don't surround him with with a great offensive line, if you don't have good skill skill guys to help him out, if you make it a one man show, you just put so much on that guy's plate. That's a hard thing to do. And so, you know, we got to take responsibility as well to make sure that we're doing the right things for for our young quarterback here. And and we wanted to make sure that whatever Jalen's potential was. We saw that, and the way to do that is to make sure he was surrounded by talent. Howie, I've known you for such a long time. I'm so happy for your success. No, no. You're my guy. <laughs> but we only I talked know. about giving you flowers for putting this team together and Jalen Hurts. Let's talk about you picking these coaches. Well, for Doug Peterson now to Nick Sirianni, talk about that process of bringing in a hell of a coach like Nick Sirianni. And what was that process like? Yeah, I'll tell you this. Like, you know, I feel very fortunate. Um, you know, obviously, like Coach Reed, uh, Coach Peterson, two Super Bowl champions, being, being a GM for those guys, um, guys I knew for a long time, uh, phenomenal coaches, phenomenal people to work with. And, and that's a high bar. And, um, you know, when, when we went out on this coaching search, we started a week later than everyone. 
And, um, you know, like we kind of said, hey, we're, we're probably going to miss the first wave of the guys who are probably in the bag already with other teams, but let's just kind of act like we're the first search next year and let's see who we think will be the hottest candidate next year based on their body of work and, mm-hmm. and based on, on the interviews we do. And and um, we had known Coach Sirianni just because Coach Reich had talked so highly of him and I remember him telling me, you know, the best coach I've ever been around was, was Nick Sirianni and when I get a job, he's going to be my first hire and um, then it hurt unbelievable things coming out of Indianapolis. But, you know, it's like speed dating. And, and I don't know anything about that. You know, <laughs> I know your wife very well but, now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that that when you do that, you're you're taking a risk, right? You're on like two dates and now we're getting married. And um, yeah, there's a little risk involved. And, and you know, I'm going to tell you guys a funny story. And, and he's going to kill me if I tell you this. Uh-oh. So I just like look around. He's coming to my office or something. The first week we're back in Philly and we're going through college stuff. And I walk in his office and he's got like a, a neck brace. And and I'm like, you you good? And he goes, yeah, I got like neck spasms. So I'm like, he's like, I, I, I can't like look this way or that way. And I remember going to my office and going, what the hell is he going to do when we're on a five-game losing streak? He's got a freaking <laughs> neck brace and we get to the job. And he's like, tell And I told him that like when we make the playoffs, I go, I was worried you had a freaking neck brace on. He goes, dude, I had a neck spasm. What do you think? I was like, I didn't know. But <laughs> I, I for us with him, when we were two and five and he was consistent, and you guys know, being around great coaches, the consistency is what That's matters. Right. And I know you, you know this. There's no one better in the world than Andy Reid about being consistent day after day. And, um, man, I love that guy so much. But I, I think until you see, like, a guy go through it, especially in Philly when everything's coming at you, right and left hooks, you don't know. And when I saw that last year, I went, all right, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. Howie, I got to ask you a straight-up question, man, because you you fleece a lot of dudes. You got Darius Slay for a third and a fifth. Give me that. You got <laughs> Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a seventh. Give me that. Change of some picks. When, the, when the deal – oh, well, say it again. Get me, get me straight. Fifth. Fifth, 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 man. When, um, when a deal goes through – and you know you just got over on somebody. <laughs> do you like, is there like a Howie smirk? Like, how are you feeling when you're like, did I really just do this? I, I'm the, I'm, I, anytime we make a trade and someone says yes, I'm wondering if I'm getting screwed. I'm like, <laughs> what, what are they doing here? Like, oh, you know, and I think that all of those were unique situations, right? Like Slay in that situation in Detroit, they weren't seen eye to eye. And, um, you know, the ironic thing is like, we didn't know Slay that well. And all the reports coming out of Detroit, where I, I remember talking about it and going, I think this guy's a really good guy who loves football, but obviously you don't know till you live with him. And this this guy was a, a captain for our team. He's our captain right now. This guy loves football. He loves being around his teammates. He's so selfless. Like he's taking the rookies and he's freaking having his wife cooking him meals and stuff. And what a freaking great guy. And the same thing, you know, Chauncey, I know him from Florida and, um, you know, you kind of just worry. You worry that you're hurting the team by doing too too many moves. You worry about you're hurting the team by bringing in someone who doesn't fit with the kind of players you have and the personalities you have. And I think that we have such great leadership on this team, not only with our coaching staff, but, man, we have guys that you all played with, you yeah. know, like that yeah. you know. And it's like I can go to those guys and say, hey, this is what I think I know about this guy. Maybe can you do a little work or – hey, I'm going to take a chance, not necessarily on these two guys, but I'm going to take a chance on this personality. Are you guys good with it? You know, there may be a little bit more responsibility. I may need you guys to have my back because I'm not in the locker room. But if he gets out of hand, and I'll go, it's it's not even going to get there, Howie, because we have such good guys in our locker room that they're influenced. Like, there's not a guy in our locker room that I worry about this week. I'm yeah. definitely going to have this rerun on, on Sunday. after. after <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Howie. But, we, That's we, what makes me proud. Yeah. Good guy. We, we had Andy Reid, Big Red, on um, yesterday, uh, and uh, mm-hmm. we know him oh so well. And he was talking about, oh, my God, the Eagles team is so great. I said, hold up, coach. I know this trick. You, you, love, you love the other team up, the, the soft up a little bit, so you go on there and destroy them. But how excited yeah. are you to play in, uh, Andy Reid in this championship game? Yeah, it's funny because um, during media night, I just I just watched. Uh, I just wanted to see him. You know, I haven't I haven't seen him um, for a little for a minute here, and I wanted to see him. And then I just wanted to see how he would do with our players that we drafted together. You know, yeah, yeah. Fletch, BG, and Kels. 
And, um, and, and, and it freaking choked me up to think about like, wow. here's a guy who took a chance on me and was willing to, to take me as his GM, this hall of fame coach. And, um, man, it, it it's not like, it, it it's not like there's this, like, it, it, like there's rivalry there. There's so much respect. And at the same time, yeah, we won't win this game bad. There's no doubt. <laughs> and, I, and I told Coach Sirianni, I go, there'll be a lot of flowers thrown your way, Coach. But just know, I mean, he he's coming for us. There's no doubt. But, um, you know, that that, that guy, awesome. you know, I think of what, every time I see you, LaShawn, like I think about us and rallying around Coach Reed, you know, and just yes. um, how much everyone loved him, you know, and, and still does love him. And, and he's got that. But I also know how much his will to win, you know, yep. and, and how him. much how competitive he is and how much he wants to win. And um, on Sunday, I, I know that the first thing – remember when we played um, – we that, played Cleveland, like, back-to-back. We played him, like, the last week of the preseason. Then we played him the first game yeah. of the season. Is that when Joe Bennett went over there? Oh, that was because I was in Cleveland. Yeah. That was in, yep. 2000, was in that was 2012. 2012. And yeah. I remember he, he said – Take the preseason game, say hello to your friends, you know, how we say hello to Hacker, you know, we got Pat Shermer over there. Pat Shermer. Done yeah. game day. So I know <laughs> if I walk up to him, if I walk up to him on Sunday before the game and I go, hey, coach, how you doing? Oh. He's going to give me like this little, like he's, he's going to be all business <laughs> as he should be. And uh, there's so much respect that we have for him and his team and um, the run that they have. We have our work cut out for us as well, but um, I'm excited about our group of guys. I'm excited about the quick, opportunity. Quick hot seat question. Don't get mad at me, Asho. Top three, because we're talking about top three players or top five players. Top three GMs right now. Ooh. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Howie, I know. My guy. I got, Those are my guys. Those are my friends. I, I got you one now. Howie, I got two more for you. My first thought is this. You've done an incredible job, as we've already said. I think Six all pros, seven pro bowlers, some outland eight pro bowlers, crazy number. But in the midst of how talented that team is, people tried to say, well, it's the team. It's not Jalen Hurts. Yeah. What do you, Howie Roseman, the man who constructed the incredible team and also drafted Jalen Hurts, say to those who say it's the team, not Jalen Hurts? I mean, we're 18 and one in his last 19 starts or some crazy stat like that. Um, we've had different players in and out. Um, I just don't know how anyone watches our games and doesn't think Jalen's a phenomenal player. Uh, everything he does, and um, it, it's not just with his legs. He's a, he's a phenomenal passer. Um, his deep ball accuracy, his completion percentage, every aspect of his game has gone to an elite level. And I think anyone who's saying that we're not in this position because of a lot of people, but led by Jalen Hurts, you know, hasn't watched us all year. Yeah. And then, and I think about it finally. You've drafted Brandon Graham in 2010, Jason Kelsey in 2011, Fletcher Cox in 2012, Lane Johnson in 2013. They are all still a part of the team. How do you get it right so often? Well, you know, I don't, I don't know that people in Philly would agree with that um, very much, but I think at the end of the day, like, those guys, like those guys are, are uh, as biggest part of the story as anything this week and this season. And those guys, you know, they understand what, what it takes to not only win, but also how to play at a high level in, in a difficult football environment. And I know that when we bring a person, a player into our O-line room, or our D-line room, like they are going to figure out what's right and what's wrong, what the standard is very quickly. And we have, you know, Eagles Hall of Famers. I mean, with all due respect, Ach, we got another one on this call, as we both know, you know, um, but... We, we, I, I, I mean, that's an easy one. That's an easy one. But I think when, when you think about that and, and the fact that our O line and D line are the engines of this team, yeah, you know, that's true. Yeah. And, um, you know, this D line, I, I don't think our D line gets enough credit. I mean, we're five sacks away from tying the all time record from the 85 Bears, who, you know, it's funny. Um, I, we were in Chicago and Richard Jen walked in the elevator and I joke all the time, like, we start talking about something, I'll go, I don't know if they're the 85 Bears, you know, and then I'm freaking talking about the 85 <laughs> Bears now. And, and that starts with a D-line, and that's led by Fletch and BG, yeah. you know. And then this offensive line, like I'll put this offensive line up against any offensive line, um, certainly in the league. And, you know, I'm not so sure it doesn't go deeper than that. But um, at the end of the day, like those guys are phenomenal, and they're led by those four guys. And those four guys are our captains. And, um, 
you know, it, it makes me proud that those guys not only are still playing, but you're talking about it, you know, Lane, first team, all pro Kelsey, first team, all pro BG 12 freaking sacks. BG, sacks. Not a comeback player of the year candidate. Sacks. I don't know. I don't know how that makes any sense coming off an Achilles. And then Fletch has seven sacks and is still disruptive in the middle of defense. And nobody even talks about Fletch, you know, right. seven sacks and everyone's saying the same thing Fletch has done. I don't know. I, I just watch tape every week and just see him dominate and run him past. <laughs> and so I, at the end of the day, like those got those guys are, are our family, you know, they're Eagles family here and they take their roles seriously. And, um, Man, I'm proud of those guys. Really proud of those guys. Howie, everyone's favorite Howie Roseman moment was this moment. You will remember it. We will show it to you. I loved it. But it was this specific moment. This was everybody's favorite moment. Everybody's favorite moment. Don't worry, Howie. No sound. No sound. (laughs) You know what she said. The gist of it for those watching was, Howie, you said you're welcome. Okay. You said you're welcome. Yeah, right. um, just talk about that moment. Talk about your emotions as we, as we proceed to wrap. Yeah, you know, it's hard for me during games because um, you're just watching, you know, and you got, <laughs> you got uh, I got four kids, and, and I feel like every one of these guys is like fingers on my hand. You know, we picked them. You two, too, you know, like. Um, and so when you when you're getting ready for a game and you're so excited for these guys for their opportunity and you want them to do so well. And so, um, you know, I probably shouldn't talk to people before games. You know, maybe I'll learn that lesson one day. But, um, you know, our, our fans are passionate and um, I get that. There's a high standard in Philly. And at the same time, I'm proud of what we've done here. You know, I'm proud of what we've done. Um, my whole tenure here, my time as a GM, you know, uh, we've made the playoffs five of the last six years. That's hard to do in the National hard, Football League, you know, and we made two Super Bowls. And, um, you know, I, I'm, pr- I'm proud. I'm proud. And, and sometimes that gets the best of me. You know, I am who I am. And um, uh, I probably would like that moment back. But <laughs> I wouldn't like for you to have it back. Howie, um, lastly, why the heck didn't you draft me? I get it. You traded for me like in 2013. <laughs> But I met with you, I met with Andy, I met with Castillo, and we were in the freaking combine meeting room. You asked me this question. I don't know if you remember it. You said, Acho, how many reps of 225 did you hit? I embellished a little bit. I said 25. Howie, you quickly said 24. They took one away from you. I just got to (laughs) know. The national audience, like, why why didn't you draft a kid, Howie? Why didn't you draft him? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Um... We liked you. That's why that's, we went on our college grade when, when we traded for you, you know, and we traded Pitt running back, you know, Dion. Um, he's a heck of a player, too. Yeah, that's a story was. for another day. You know that. <laughs> How are you the man, Duche? You had one final one, right? About the running backs? Yeah. He, I know this answer. He wants me to ask, ask the question. who's your favorite running back of all time for Philadelphia Eagles? He's going to say me. This is my guy. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, though, man, like that, that's, you know, I, if Deuce is on this call, he's going to come for me. Oh, you know that. <laughs> and that's a big you know? man. <laughs> <laughs> Howie, you he are. Was, I got that. <laughs> but listen, you know, I, I, I'll tell you a funny story. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, Shady comes into our interview. You're going to remember this. He comes in our interview room. We were so excited to freaking interview him, you know, and, um, and at the end, at the end of it, like I, I go to, I go to give him a hug, you know, and he like sneezes. I'm like, you're right. He goes, man, I've had pneumonia like all week. Like I feel <laughs> awful. I've been feeling awful. Oh yeah, I was. And, I was sick. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you what, you know, a little. Uh, he doesn't know this, but we were talking between him and Mac at that first round pick, and because of what happened at the combine, Mac because he he didn't test it. He didn't test as well right there at the combine because he wasn't feeling good. And we spent the whole second round. I don't know if you know this. We spent the whole second round trying to trade up to get him and trying to get him. And finally, it just came to our pick. And um, that's that's one of those stories where it's like, know you know, what. I remember he did that course. Like, he leaves the room. And I'm like, why is he shaking my hand when he's freaking sick? At the combine? <laughs> you know? But I think him being sick at the combine allowed us to draft him. And the uh, rest is history. Yes, that's crazy because, like, well, in Philadelphia, I tell people this, like, like teammates and fans, one thing I learned from being around guys like Howie, Andy Reid, Mr. Lurie, it's a real family. I, I've been removed from the Philadelphia Eagles for years, yep. and we're still tight. You know, we text and talk from time to time. So that's one thing I want to thank you for, just making me feel like family. Appreciate that, Howie. Yeah, right. You are. You are. And both of you guys do a heck of a job. I'll tell you, Arch, he, 
he called me like twice in a row. And when, when anyone calls me twice in a row who I care about, I think someone's like, like something's wrong. Right. Yeah. And he called me twice in a row and I'm like, you good. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm just checking on, you know, and I'm like meeting with Nick and Nick's like, who are you picking up the phone for right now? When they're, we're in the middle of the meeting, like preparing for the Super Bowl, I'm like, Shady needed me, man. And then I'm like, hold on, I'm going to put you on FaceTime. Come oh, right here. Be FaceTime. <laughs> hey, Howie, a true testament to your character, because like Shady said, he hasn't been a part of the Eagles organization since 2015. I haven't been a part of the Eagles organization since 2015, but it's 2023, and we're all sitting right here on this call. So thank you for being the man you are. my hand, brothers. Can't wait. Hopefully I see you down here. Go yeah, Birds. We'll Heck see yeah, you. we'll be there tonight. We'll see you, Howie. Thanks right, so much. Howie. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Coming up, we got a lot of thoughts on what Howie Roseman just told us. Interesting thoughts on Jalen Hurts, along with Howie's relationship with Andy Reid. Do not go anywhere. Our thoughts on that. More speak after this. There's an elite group of men that have both a Heisman Trophy and a bust in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Perfect Ten, February 11th on Fox. I honestly am still a little bit shocked. Eagles general manager Howie Roseman just days away from the Super Bowl choosing to sit down with your Speak family and have a conversation. He said a lot, but, Joy, you were writing down feverishly during the course of that conversation. What did you find most interesting? What your biggest takeaway? Yeah, Howie be remembering, but I'd be listening. <laughs> and I listened to you very specifically ask him about when you just when when was the moment that you decided Jalen was going to get paid and I noticed that he did not specifically say the moment that he was going to get paid. You caught that? I, I caught it too. I got too. He went straight to teeth. I've seen it. Very much. Put a money in, brother. Yeah. Artfully he went, walked around yeah, that question. I mean, master class for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, but but I did think he had a lot of great things to say about Jalen. Yeah. I mean, he's being diplomatic. Obviously, he's not going to walk himself into a, a, a corner. A contract. He's, he's, or a contract. <laughs> he's done these things. Uh, quite a few times, although you guys did get him to open up a bunch. Um, he knows that this is going to be a conversation as soon as the offseason starts, no matter what happens in right. this game on Sunday. Um, you know, listening to how he talks about making transactions, I, I also noticed that he mentioned, you know, the value of a backup quarterback. So don't be surprised, Eagles fans, if, a, if another quarterback is – that's a good um, point, yeah. On the horizon, which I actually don't hate because while they've obviously benefited from having a solid quarterback, I mean, that's why they have a backup quarterback. That's why they have a Super Bowl because Nick Foles played the way that he did. Yeah. We've seen around the league, if you don't have a solid backup quarterback, your season can be over like that. Yep. So the value of backup quarterbacks has gone up tremendously um, as well. But th those were definitely two... Two things. I mean, obviously, we were going to ask about Jalen, but I thought those were interesting. It was spoke. interesting, though, Joy. He volunteered Jalen Hurts' information first. Like, he, he kind of walked into talking about Jalen Hurts. So I was like, oh, he knew it was coming. If you there, he knew it was coming. I was like, let's go there. And then he just so tactful. But he also, oh, he also mentions that while Jalen, Jalen gets better every year, yep. which, I, which I think is important for people to pay attention to because he's right about that. Yep. But he also mentioned that he doesn't know if Jalen has even hit his ceiling, ceiling yet. yet. And yeah. I agree with him with that, though. That was a really good point. Dave, your biggest takeaway. He's 24. All right, well, going off of that, and I mean, I think it's important to note the difference. All of the wonderful stuff he said about Jalen, you still don't want to go on record yep. talking about a negotiation. Right. Like, you're negotiating against yourself at that point. But that just confirmed... Everything that I thought about Howie Roseman, which is why I admire him so much. Like, that man, in the span of however long y'all talked to him, he corrected you on the details of a trade. Not even the biggest trade he yeah, made right. this year. <laughs> He's talking about preseason games from 10 years ago. He vividly remembers y'all's uh, combine meetings. which And that, like, more than anything, like, we do this for the games. Like, the games are why we do this. But, like, I geek out on stuff like that. Team construction. And every team has a million stories like that. Oh, if, if Shady hadn't sneezed on me and run a faster 40, <laughs> maybe he's our first-round pick. Maybe, Did you hear that, Dave? Maybe that means, I heard that, too. And where does Jeremy Macklin go, if that's the uh, case? Right, like, right, right, and right. every team is full of stories like that. I, I geek out on it so much. And the fact that Howie's been doing it long enough to have a war story from every single year that he can pick up at the drop of a hat, I could listen to that that's all day. That's such an authentic Every Shady day. story, too. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> like, anyone I feel terrible. tell them that you're sick. Get away from And you're, like, sneezing on people. Like, I got a, I, not, I lost, not even a cold. You're like, I got yeah, pneumonia. Yeah, I, was, I was in college. I was, like, 210. No, 212. Yep. At the combine, I was 205. I was sick. Did you run? 
Nine to nothing. Oh, okay. I was, All I was right. Okay. Teams. Hey, hey, but real, real quick, you got a memory like that, though. How, how he is, like, whenever we, on the show we have a question about the score or with Super Bowl, Dave held Dave be knowing. Yeah. Dave do be knowing. Well, y'all need to know that coming up, we have to hear from Chiefs Super Bowl head coach Andy Reid. Yes, we already heard from Howie Roseman, but now we're about to hear from Andy Reid just days before the Super Bowl. I cannot believe it. That was our big story by Hampton by Hilton where breakfast is free and hot. The easiest decision of your trip. Now, welcome back. Welcome back. Let's get on cam. Let's get on cam. Let's get on cam. Yesterday, literally, as we were getting offset, people were taking off mics. The studio was going dark. We got the call that Andy Reid was sitting down on the chair to talk to your speak families. It was an incredible conversation. And y'all take a listen to what the Super Bowl winning coach had to say. We are now joined on speak by Super Bowl winning head coach Andy Reid. Now, coach, I got to start you off with the hardest hitting question you're going to get all week. Is LaShawn McCoy the best running back you've ever coached? I'll tell you what, he's a future Hall of Famer. I got to give him that. Uh, It might be on radio, but on the field, it was was tremendous, too. I love this guy right here. He changed my life forever. Coach, um, a a serious question, because he's playing around, but a serious question. When you left in 2013, myself, um, Jason Kelsey, Flexer Cox, we all were sad, right? And then when you came back to play in Philadelphia, the emotions were so crazy. Um, you know, some was sad, some was we missed you. How's your emotions now playing your old team, Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah, it's, listen, I mean, it's different. Uh, it was really different when I first heard that that's who we were going to play. Uh, but, um, I, you know, once it's all said and done, now you're trying to get ready to, just to play a great football team. And, and that's, that's where I'm at. So uh, it's, it's going to be man on man as we, as we get into this thing. And uh, whoever is the best team is going to come out on top. And so trying to prepare our guys to make sure we, we can function at a high level. Coach, you have had an incredible, and I mean incredible, career. Your first stint, as Shady talked about, with the Eagles. But right here and now, it's all about the Chiefs. What was the moment this season, Coach, that you knew you could get back to the Super Bowl? You had high highs, some questionable lows, but what was that moment that you knew, you know what, this team's capable of going back? Yeah, well, listen, I've got Pat Mahomes. I mean, that, that helps. And, and, uh, and so uh, we lost Tyreek Hill. I know people thought that that was the end of it. Um, and I'm so happy for him for having a good year, and he made a lot of money. I mean, he's, he's set for, for life there. Um, the, the, the positive is that uh, Brett Veach, who actually w- was a big McCoy fan, man. I mean, he, he loved LaShawn and was a big reason that LaShawn was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. So anyways, Brett is our general manager, and he did a great job of going out and getting uh, new players to step into the wide receiver spot with McCoy Hardman and, and, uh, and, but, but the, listen, the bottom line was we had Pat Mahomes. And so, uh, who makes everybody around him better. And, uh, these guys stepped up to the plate. He and Kelsey made everybody feel at home stepping in. And, uh, I'm, I'm proud as much as I'm proud of the guys all playing well, that part of it, uh, as a head coach really was gratifying that they, they invited these guys in, they, checked all egos at the door, and they became a team. And that, uh, that's what makes this group unique. Coach, you have an incredible coaching tree, obviously. Your former players love you, and you're known as being a teacher. How important is you showing up as your authentic self and being authentic important as a head coach? Because you're, you're dealing with different generations, people from different places, and you've been able to relate to people on a real emotional and personal level throughout your career. Yeah, Joy, I mean, I'm not getting any younger. And so uh, I've, I've lost that relationship that, that, hey, he's a young head coach. I'm, yeah, that's over. So now I'm like the grandfather. I, I'm, uh, I'm in there and I, I, I enjoy being around these guys. I think really what they want is just you to be honest with them and mm. shoot them straight, let them know where they're at. And, and so we try to do that. I try to do that as, as the head coach and I've seen enough now to where if I can give guidance to them, I try to do that the best I can. 
Um, and I love being around the guys. I mean, I love, I love the youth uh, that keeps me young. And, uh, and, and so even though I look old, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I'm 20. Well, maybe not 20, but somewhere. In <laughs> Coach, you look great. You look great. Okay. You talked about, <laughs> you talked about guidance. The score was 10, seven. It was the divisional round. Patrick Mahomes, your special quarterback had just gotten hurt against the Jacksonville Jags. He was urging you to let him go back in the game. Most coaches would have looked at the moment and said, I don't care about your health. Just go back in the game. But you said, I'm not letting you go back in until you get x-rayed. Talk me through that moment and why you cared more about his health in that moment than the game itself. Well, listen, I mean, uh, the game's important. I, I understand that uh, you don't want to put somebody out there that, that um, is hurt, uh, that can't protect himself. It's a, violent, it's a violent game. I mean, we can say whatever we want to say, but there's some big guys chasing you, man, that can run fast and hit hard. And so uh, if you can't get out of the way of that, the, and you're really subjecting yourself to, to harm. And so, uh, I, you know, I can't do that to really any player. And, and Pat, in this case that we're talking about, he wanted to fight me over it, but he, he uh, <laughs> you love that part as a coach. You love that part too. So that he wanted to go back in, but I just want to make sure the thing wasn't broken. And I, I was standing right there where he got hit and it was, it was kind of a nasty looking injury. So, uh, he ended up running up there, believe it, he ran up there, uh, to get x-rayed, uh, which I had a hard time believing. I didn't see that till later, but he ran up, got the x-ray and then, and then came back down and was able to jump back in there. Coach, I'm going to step out on a small limb and assume that the thrill of playing in a Super Bowl never gets old, but I'm curious for your perspective, having coached in quite a few of these at this point. The spectacle, the demand on your attention, the stuff that goes into it that's different than every other game. What, what have you learned about Super Bowl week, maybe that you didn't know as a younger coach or, or pitfalls that you got to avoid? Just what has this experience of, of going to this game as often as you have taught you over the years? Yeah, Dave, you get, you've got to, we try to knock everything out back home where it's kind of calm. And uh, once you get down to the site where, where we're at now, Arizona in this case, uh, things are a little chaotic. You have the media and you have a couple other obligations that you, you've got to deal with. And, and so uh, you, your time is a bit limited uh, on all the football you want to do. So what we did was we, that's what we did. We, we uh, took care of business back home and, uh, and then we came out here and we've, we've tried to stay uh, busy with the football part as much as we can, but still give the guys the time to go do these other things. Coach, you have a very talented squad. You have a very talented squad, but talk to me about not having the Terrell Owens, not having the Tyree Kill, as you mentioned earlier. What's been the most exciting part of this season, not having that superstar wide receiver out on the field, but still having as prolific an offense? Yeah, well, it's all, all these guys coming together to be stars, and, and so – it's uh, maybe one big star, and that's uh, th that's been fun to watch. Um, there's not that one guy that, that jumps out other than, than Travis and uh, and Pat. Uh, the rest of the guys are like worker bees, man. They get in there and they make these big plays, and it, it um, uh, that they have, haven't had a chance necessarily to make with other teams, or they they're coming off injuries uh, with other teams and step in and are able to. And, you know, being healthy are able to make these plays. And so uh, it always seems like somebody steps up at a crucial time uh, to make a crucial play. And I've appreciated that. And it's great to have this offensive line that we have. They've been able to kind of hang together throughout the, the year and stay for the most part injury free. And, and uh, they've, they've gelled and do a nice job there. I don't want to neglect that group uh, by not mentioning them. Coach, everybody seems to know you just from your resume and the things you, you have accomplished. Um, but I want to talk about how competitive you are that people don't know, the players know. And we keep hearing about the Philadelphia Eagles defense line. They get to the sacks, sacking the quarterback, their third um, in, in history, you know, at the, the most sacks. So talk about how fired up you are to get out there and do your thing on offense. Yeah, well, listen, they, they've, they play five of them and – They've got another five behind them, so uh, they, they've got a they've got a good bunch. And heck, we respect them. Uh, that doesn't mean we're going to play 
any less aggressive. I mean, we're we're going to go out there and and, and do our best uh, to compete against them. And so uh, that's that's our attitude. And you can only do is what you can do. And, and I don't ask the guys to do anything more than that. Just be yourselves and and, and go play and let your personality show and. And, uh, and so that's, that's where we're at and prepare, uh, make sure that you're, you've got all the, the, the scheme and game plan, all that stuff down and you're and then trust your fundamentals and let's go. Coach, the final question, this is another hard, hard hitter. LaShawn McCoy, he wanted to ask it. So we saved the toughest question for last shady. You coach both of these players, which Kelsey brother do you like the most? <laughs> oh man. That is a tough one. Uh, their, mom, their mom has it right, man. Give them both some cookies and wear a half a jersey with each one of their numbers on it. Uh, I'm a, on Sunday, though, I'm going to like number 87. <laughs> That's right. Hey, heck of an answer. Coach, thank you so much for the time. You did not have to do it, but you did, and it speaks to the man you are. We appreciate you, and best of luck in the Super Bowl. All right. Oh, your cheeseburger. Love <laughs> All right. Love you. Love All you right, there. Two five. Doug, got it. Enjoy hanging there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, only on Speak could days before the Super Bowl you find the head coach of the Chiefs and the general manager of the Eagles joining us. But that's how we get down around here. Coming up, we're just getting started. Patrick Mahomes, he's looking to take home his second Super Bowl MVP trophy. But him being the only star of the team, is that enough to beat the Eagles? Well, him and Travis Kelsey. When we return, we'll talk about that. Speak. Kurt Flood was a two-time World Series champion, three-time All-Star, and one of the pioneers of our modern sports world. By refusing a trade to the Phillies in 1969, Flood challenged baseball's reserve clause, which bound players to teams in perpetuity. It was patently unfair, and after years of legal battles, free agency was established in baseball and other sports soon after. Almost everybody won. Salaries skyrocketed, and player movement piqued fan interest. But Flood never personally benefited. He sat out the 1970 season and only played a handful of games before retiring. Everyone owes a debt of gratitude to Kurt Flood, from the columnist typing a hot stove article to the superstar signing a record-breaking contract to the young fan buying that superstar's jersey in hopes that they can deliver a championship to the hometown team. That's all thanks to Kurt Flood, whose singular personal sacrifice remade the sports landscape and ushered in the modern sports world. Mahomes set to appear in his third Super Bowl in only five seasons as the Chiefs starter. Well, as Andy Reid told us earlier when he joined the show, that there's no one guy that jumps out as KC's star on offense other than Mahomes and Kelsey. The rest of the guys are like, quote, worker bees. It was fascinating to hear Andy Reid say that, but Dave Hellman, I know you have a unique perspective. Do the Chiefs have enough stars to win the Super Bowl? It's not that unique because my brilliant co-host says it all the time. I'm not going to steal Joy's bid about Poor little scrappy Chiefs, but this is a really good team. Like, yes, the Chiefs have enough stars, even on offense. Um, There's a second Hall of Famer on this offense. His name's Travis Kelsey. We just asked Big Red about him. He's going to have a big role to play in this Mm -hmm. game. We make so much about, and, and like, again, I hope it's clear by now that I'm not taking anything away from the Eagles. I think they're the best roster in football. But the Chiefs have three pro bowlers on their offensive line. Orlando Brown's been doing this thing for a minute. He's been to four of them. He's going to get paid this offseason, by the way. He's on the franchise tag right now. Like, I think that name is going to be a lot more well-known as we move forward. You got Creed Humphrey, one of the best young centers in the game. You got Joe Tooney. I know these are offensive linemen. They're still great players. Like, the reason the Chiefs got their butts kicked the last time they were in this game is because they couldn't protect Patrick Mahomes. They got a way better chance of doing that. And I know the question was about offense, But I just want to get this out there. The second best player in this game plays for Kansas City. You could argue like three of the top five in this game players in this game. I agree with him. Chris Jones is the second best player in this game, in my opinion. Oh, you weren't talking about Kelsey. Oh. No. I'm talking about Chris Jones. Kelsey's in there too, for that matter. No. (laughs) Oh. Chris Chris (laughs) Jones. It's like, he, I hate to use. We could do it on the fly. Like, Mahomes is the best player. Mahomes. I say Chris Jones. I think you got to throw Travis Kelsey in there, yeah. and then there. then we'll, I'd say Lane, I would, I would Lane take, Johnson. I would take Hassan Reddick right where I take Chris Jones. Reddick is Reddick is absolutely in that conversation. I think 
Chris Jones is just so impressive to me because it's so hard to find defensive tackles Chris that can do what he do. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, he made the game-saving play against Cincinnati from end. He play, They were like, Chris, get out to end. It's third down. End this game. End the Bengals' chances of winning right now. And he did. He's a defensive player of the year candidate in his own right. Also, Frank Clark has the third most postseason sacks in NFL history. There are dogs on this team. There absolutely are. Just saying. Joy, uh, if he didn't steal all your thunder, do the Chiefs <laughs> have enough stars to, to win the Super Bowl? I mean, just these lowly Chiefs, <laughs> just, lucky to be, just lucky, lucky to be invited, you know? Right. Lucky to be in the building. It's, like a, it's more like an experience for them. Three you know? times in four years, yeah. but how did we get here? Seven I don't pro know. bowlers, you named all of them, almost all of them. Six All-Pros. The Eagles have six All-Pros also, so the same amount of All-Pros on the team. Philly has more Pro Bowlers. All-Pro. Hard to do. Hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, they have enough stars. They have enough talent. Look, the Eagles are dominant. They've been the story this year. To be honest, we haven't really talked that much about Kansas City throughout the year. And that might be why that's happening. It It was a little fatigue. We can all admit it. There was a little fatigue with the, with, the, with the Chiefs, them not going last year, them losing Tyreek Hill. We were kind of expecting them to you know, sort of take a little bit of a step back. We weren't really sure what the offense was going to look like. And they really didn't miss a beat. And they're right back in the Super Bowl. Again, they're just the lowly one seed in the AFC, the, the conference that has all of the young, hot quarterback talent in it. They went through all of that. This defense went through all of that to get here. So, yes, I do believe that they have enough talent. Stars, maybe, maybe the offensive line isn't that sexy to, you know, the Super Bowl fan pitch. Sure. Uh, but it's sexy to me. It's nice having three pro bowlers. I on, like the big guys, okay? Yeah. Like, let's go. Line it up and keep them away from Patrick Mahomes. So that's, what, that's what cost them a Super Bowl in the last run that they were there. So, yes, they, they have enough talent. Stars, maybe it depends on your preference, I suppose, but I think they have enough talent. I think they have enough talent. I think uh, if we had to calculate every, every position, I think that the Eagles have more stars, right, and higher value. But I also think that the Chiefs, that, that they're top heavy. Kelsey, Chris Jones, and, and uh, Pat. I think that would be the top three if you had to go for each team. But Patrick Mahomes is a star, but he's a different star. I think all the stars are all together, but he's a different star. So if anybody can do it, I think it's Patrick Mahomes. Like the sun, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. There's other stars, and then there's the sun. Yeah. Come so. for the interview, stay for the astrology. Yeah. Astronomy. Astronomy. What's the Scorpio. Yeah, astrology is something different. Still, that's still, that's all right. Yeah. That's <laughs> Coming up, two teams, but there's only going to be one champion. Who in the world has the most to gain from a Super Bowl win? The answers to this question are oh so fascinating. More speak after this. Well, y'all, it's almost here. This is our last time in the studio for a couple days because we're about to head out. But we got to talk about the huge game for one final time in here. Both Super Bowl teams, they were covered today. We had the Eagles vice president, Howie Roseman, on the show. He constructed the roster. We had the head coach of the best quarterback in football, Andy Reid, on the show. Plenty of big names, plenty to gain in this matchup. But the question is, Shady, who in the world has the most to gain in this Super Bowl game? It's a a once-in-a-lifetime, but for you, twice-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Who has the most to gain in the game. I'm, I'm going to go with Andy Reid, right? I, I think Andy Reid doesn't get enough respect. Um, he doesn't get enough respect for developing these players. He doesn't get enough respect for the wins he has. He has the fourth most wins, right? And, and I think of all time. That's, mm-hmm. that's crazy. And for him to have that many wins, he doesn't get the respect. I think a Super Bowl would change the narrative on him. Um, and Philadelphia's been in four straight NFC Championship games, yep. right? And then with the Chiefs, going back with the fifth AFC Championship game um, since he's been there. And he's changed their whole program around. I look at the Eagles. When he got there, they weren't that good of a team. Right? He changed the whole thing around. Now, like, every year you see the, Chief, or the, um, the, the Eagles in the playoffs. I look at the, the, uh, the Chiefs. Same thing. When he went there to 2013, they weren't a good team. He changed the whole team around with the same players. I look at, like, developing players. If I sat here and told you these guys that he drafted, Travis, or, um, um, Travis Kelsey, both, sorry, both Kelseys. Let's just cut it up. Both Kelseys, Donovan McNabb, LaShawn McCoy, Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Sean Andrews. Uh, um, um, it's some more I'm missing, but uh, um, um, Brandon Lane Graham, Johnson, Lane Johnson, Fletcher Cox. Like, a list. come on, this, he's this his players. So, Nick Foles. So anyway, I just I think that like, and last part, not having a guy like Tom Brady, where if he did, 
he had them championships. And I hate to think to kill Bill Belichick, you know, but I feel like Brady carried him more than Bill carried Brady. And Andy Reid, he carried a lot of these guys, you know, so – Oh, my God, a win, man. Already a movie called Kill Bill, Shady, so you don't have to worry about that one. Joy, who has the most to gain from this Super Bowl win? Uh, I agree. Andy doesn't get get enough credit. But I'm going to go with the Eagles as a whole. Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, and and this team and the direction of the Eagles as as a future. We just talked to Howie. He was... Slightly diplomatic. Not, I wouldn't say uncommittal because he can't really talk about diplomatic the contract. But he was diplomatic yeah. about you know what would happen with Jalen. But you all know Howie very well, obviously, and we know how the Eagles like to do business. And he's a he's a mover and a shaker. And if the, if it doesn't end in the ultimate victory, people will have questions, and rightfully so, because that's what you're trying to do is win a championship, not just get there. So Jalen Hurts winning a Super Bowl, I think, solidifies him as a a, a young star that is legitimate, that is leading this team, that is the future of this team, and Nick Sirianni as well. Remember, Nick Sirianni's a very young coach. Yeah. So I, I think that winning a Super Bowl obviously gives you a lot of grace, but it also gives you something enormous to build on. Now you feel like, okay, this is going to be the future. Now we have our guys in place. We can just keep adding and, and, and subtracting until we keep the formula the way it is, the way that the Chiefs are. Right. That's why I think it matters more for the Eagles because the Chiefs are already in that space. I thought about saying Andy, too. And, and I think it would be big for him to win, but I thought about it, and at the end of the day, I think Andy Reid has a Hall of Fame resume, no matter what. Patrick Mahomes, he's in the Hall of Fame. I think it's Jalen Hurts, just because of, of the magnitude of what this could mean for a lot of reasons. I mean, we all think Jalen Hurts is going to get paid by Philly regardless, but you win a Super Bowl, there's no, there's no doubt about that. It's, it's done. And a statue. It's done. How he's answering the question. You, and a yeah, statue. Right. How he's answering the question if they're holding this, uh, the trophy on Sunday. Absolutely. You get your statue. Then th- I mean, just think about it from his perspective, too. I mean, only 34 men have won the Super Bowl at quarterback. Like, that, that is a short list. That's a crazy list. Only wow. three black men have won the Super Bowl. He would be the fourth. Say it loud, Dave. It's true. It, it, I mean, you're talking about historic stuff. Think about, from a narrative perspective, Jalen Hurts is one of the most mobile quarterbacks that's ever been in this situation. You know, he's, like, not the, the classic yeah. idea of, like, yeah. oh, you need Patrick Mahomes. You need this guy that can do it all from the pocket and make these crazy throws. It's not true. I mean, we know it's not true anyway, but it definitely won't be well, true if they well, win the Super Bowl. Well, we don't know just yet, Dave, but Jalen Hurts can put that flag on the ground and say, hey, mobile quarterbacks can get it done. Because we saw Cam Newton come close. He didn't get it done. We saw Mike Vick go to a conference championship game. We saw Robert Griffin star in in an early-round playoff game before he got hurt. But if Jalen Hurts does find a way to win a Super Bowl, he will undress a narrative that has stood far too long. It may be a false narrative. It may be a real narrative. But it is a narrative nonetheless. If Jalen Hurts can find a way to win a Super Bowl, I think it would be huge for him. My quick answer is actually Patrick Mahomes, surprisingly, only because – Dave, you said something I thought about yesterday. You said it during the show. You said there's one or two quarterbacks a generation that will transcend all the others. Yeah. It was Tom Brady. It was Aikman, um, Bradshaw, Montana. One or two will transcend all the others when multiple chips. It appears Mahomes will be that one. But it has to go from appearing he will be that one to the reality of him being that one. And it starts in just a couple days. It was an incredible show. Howie Roseman, Eagles general manager, joined us. Andy Reid, Chiefs head coach, joined us. But now we got to take care of some quick family business. Uh, we got to talk about this luggage here because Shady walked in with all the four bags, bro. Four bags for four days. That's literally one bag a day. Like we're only going to be in Arizona for four days. I mean, I get fly on the regular. So. I understand that, but it takes a whole suitcase to get. How, how many bags do you, you have? had? Four bags. How many bags do you have? I'm doing too much. Oh, you had two bags. We have four. We have four. But so we're, talking you... right, we're talking about two right now. <laughs> I need two outfits a day. I thought I was going to be the one with the most, but I only have three. But we know who is the most efficient. Wait, the, 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 hey, ask me if I'm checking a bag. Ask me if I'm checking. Absolutely not. Check no bag, Carry man. on life, baby. Absolutely. Yo, we can't go out there. Hold up. Yo, we, 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 uh, we got to see y'all out there. In all honesty, I got to catch this flight, so I got to run. That is it for us. We will see y'all tomorrow. Race Hub is next. <laughs>